Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. In less than two weeks, Ryan Pace and John Fox take part in their third NFL draft to see if they can make the right picks and help our beloved take the next step in 2017. Who should they pick and what do the experts think? Scott Wright from DraftCountdown.com joins us on the 2017 draft preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. time of year everyone is optimistic looking forward to the future as we walk into the nfl draft what's going on everybody larry d back for the 2017 draft preview episode of the chicago bears review and uh did you guys miss me because uh, i was gone for a few weeks and uh you know i miss doing the show i really do i just i just wish that there was enough going on especially with the bear i mean we could if we wanted to, I guess, but uh, there's not really enough going on these days to uh, to come back each and every week. Uh, but uh, we're going to be seeing a lot of each other in the next few weeks, at least. Uh, we got this preview episode here, and then the draft, or excuse me, the uh, the schedule is uh, supposed to be coming out between now and the draft uh, itself. So we'll be back to talk about the. The uh, the draft or, again the, the word that's come out of my mouth a thousand times I literally just got done talking to Scott Wright uh, recording our uh, uh, interview so um, draft has been every other word that came out of my mouth for the last hour but um, the schedule release uh, will be coming and I'm very interested to see what the schedule uh, turns out to be uh, this year NFC South AFC North uh, two very interesting. Uh, divisions we got philly and san francisco as far as our uh same place opponents and then of course our nfc north uh combatants uh, as well so an interesting schedule up ahead for our beloved in, in 2017 and uh just wondering how the uh we, we know who the home and away opponents are going to be but how they get stacked together is really what uh is what's uh going to be most interesting uh for the bears do we start at home uh, this year, get it off on the uh, get it off on the right foot. We started off on the road uh, last season uh, in Houston. Do we kick it off this home uh, this time uh, at home? Maybe with against the Steelers or the Falcons. Those are both home teams, uh, home games for the Bears uh, this year. Two playoff teams uh, from a year ago, and obviously the Super Bowl uh, representative for the NFC. Um, 
next season or last season so we'll see what uh what comes so the next time that we uh get a chance to talk it'll most likely be about the uh the schedule being released for 2017 and then we've already got scott coming back for the nfl draft review show um at the end of the month beginning of uh may so uh you know like i said we'll be seeing a lot of each other and then we'll have another short break after that probably you know, throughout the month of May, and then once we get into June, um, actually probably in the, towards the tail end of May, that's when I started last year, was doing our opponent preview episodes. We got some uh, some new teams to talk to uh, this year in the NFC South and the AFC North. We've never had any of those people on the show. I'm going to start reaching out to, uh, to get commitments from some of them and uh, see who we can get uh, – uh, on the show this year from SB Nation or 24-7 Sports, whoever it is, we can uh, can get to come onto the show and, and uh, talk to us uh, about uh, the, the Browns, the the Browns, the Steelers, the Bengals, and the Ravens. And then, of course, in the South, we got the Falcons, the Panthers, the Saints, and the Buccaneers. We got Sander Phillips. That's already locked in. That's our guy. So uh, we'll be having him. And then uh, we'll be, you know, Brandon, McG- um, Brandon from, uh, from Bleeding Green Nation for the uh, – for the Eagles and then see who we can get on to talk about the uh the 49ers uh this time around so uh looking forward to to diving into all of that and seeing who we can get on the show and uh have some fun with it so anyway just real quick before we dive into the draft we got a few things to talk about with our beloved uh more of it like uh like news type stuff than anything else but uh still fun nonetheless um First thing off the top of the board, uh, the Bears recently cut uh, Tracy Porter. Not exactly a surprise uh, considering that um, Tracy Porter was pretty awful uh, last year, not to mention he had some issues staying on the field. He had health problems. Now, he played for the most part, but you could definitely see that the uh, the injuries to his legs, that he was having uh, some definite problems out there. Um, the Bears had, I think, paid him all of the guaranteed money they did in that three-year deal that he just signed last offseason, so it's not going to be any kind of cap hit uh, to uh, to send uh, Porter uh, on his way. So, uh, so far, uh, unlike Antro Roll, who had some bad stuff to say about the Bears and their facilities and so on and so forth on his way out the door uh, last year, haven't really heard anything from Tracy uh, Porter so hopefully um, that stays the same and he can land on his feet somewhere somewhere else so um, the other big news uh, the 2017 preseason schedule came out uh, earlier uh, this week the Bears uh, will be playing the Broncos the Broncos and the Browns at home and they'll be on the road for Arizona and Tennessee so the Cardinals and the Titans we had th- uh, what two Two playoff teams in there in the uh, – well, actually, just one. The No. None. Damn, none of those teams made the playoffs. What am I thinking about? I'm thinking about 2015, not 2016. Um, but uh, the one that came the closest, believe it or not, was the Titans. Out of the four teams the Bears are going to be playing in the preseason, the Titans were the ones that came closest to a playoff appearance. They almost won the AFC South this year or last year, and that is our that is our dress rehearsal game which is going to be on uh, national tv i think it's uh it's either a fox or an espn game one of the two i don't remember uh exactly let me see if it says here in the uh 
and the details. National nationally televised game Sunday, August twenty seventh on Fox. So the Bears and the Titans on Fox on Sunday. So another Sunday afternoon game, kind of like the one they had against the Chiefs last year. And we all know how how horribly that game went. I mean, that was the one where we're like, okay, yeah, it's probably time to be worried now because, you know, granted the Chiefs were an eventual playoff team. They won the AFC West last year, but um, it just like after the way that we played against the Broncos and then again against the um, the Patriots in week two in the preseason last year, you know, there was still some some reason to say, okay, you know, we, we, it's it's, you know, the first two preseason games, it's, uh, you know, not that big a deal. A lot of the starters, you know, the starters don't play very long and so on. That game against the Chiefs, that was the one where we're like, yeah, this might be a long season for us because, um, yeah, we did not look like a... Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Dot edu slash podcast good football team and we didn't even look like a shadow of a good football team and that's where it all kind of came like yeah i think it's time to hit the panic button on this one because it's uh it's not looking good like at all for this team so uh that is a game that i've definitely got circled uh, as far as the preseason uh is concerned especially because the titans are an up and a young up and coming team much like the bears want to be you know the titans are probably a step or two ahead of where the bears are uh, at this point as far as being a little bit further along in in their development uh, you know the titans have been at this a little bit longer than the bears have uh, as far as building their their team you know for with youth and so on um but uh you know and and it's they're going to be one of those teams that's the quote-unquote sexy pick of 2017 to possibly steal that division uh, from the Titans or, or excuse me, from the Texans and be a, a potential wild card playoff team in the AFC uh, this year. So um, it'll be a good measuring stick for the Bears, you know, a team in a similar position to them, maybe a little bit further along in their development, but like I said, it's definitely going to be a good gauge for the Bears to play the Titans, uh, do so on the road uh, as well. So um, interesting uh, that's going to be. So week one at home for the Broncos, week two at Arizona with the Cardinals, then week three the dress rehearsal at Tennessee, and then as usual week four uh, to close out the preseason at home against the Browns, the the annual end of the preseason game between the Bears and the Browns, and the home-and-home home has the Bears at home. 
uh, this time around. So last couple of things I want to get to before we jump into our talk with uh, with uh, with Scott is um, I, I wonder about the Bear fan base sometimes. I, I really do. Um, two things in particular that make me scratch my head. Number one, it was announced this week the Bears started handing out jersey number assignments. It was announced this week that our newly signed backup quarterback, Mark Sanchez, will be wearing, and I quote, Jay Cutler's number six. Um, I don't know why this is a story. Um, Number one, even though I was a bigger fan of Jay than most people were, um, he's not going to be held in such high esteem that number six is his number. You know what I mean? It's not like we gave away Sweetness is number 34 uh, to somebody or, or anything like that. It was, uh, you know, it was Jay Cutler, you know, one of the more polarizing guys in the history uh, of the franchise, but will not be looked upon as an all-time great uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, number two, he's not on the team anymore, so it's not his number anymore. So they could give the number to whoever the hell they want. But people... You know, it's like he's not on the team anymore, so I don't know why this is a big deal. And number two, it's it's not like it, it's, it wouldn't be like the 49ers giving away Montana's number 16 or Steve Young's number eight or something like that. It's it's not even close. So I don't understand why it was a story to begin with. Like it was a slap in the face to Jay Cutler that another player is going to be wearing his number. Uh, this year so I don't think Jay Cutler cares and I don't I just thought it was funny that there was a lot of discussion around this like like some people think it's like salt in the wound to Jay like there were some Bear fans who who hated Cutler that are enjoying this because ah we gave his number away already ha 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 you know however however you're looking at it whether you think it's like a slap in the face to Cutler or if you feel sorry for Jay because the Bears are giving that like he never existed kind of thing it's not a story it's not so I just thought it was kind of funny and then the other thing uh yesterday on Friday the Cubs um were starting their series with the Pirates uh, for the weekend and Mike Glennon our brand new quarterback was was uh, on hand to throw the first pitch and sing the seventh inning stretch and like a bunch of dickheads the people in Wrigley booed Mike Glennon I'd why why would you boo him I don't understand the guy hasn't taken a snap for us he hasn't thrown an interception he hasn't said anything stupid in the media nothing and we're booing him already it's like really are you booing him are you booing the franchise because the Bears are not very good at this point? I don't understand why boo at all. You know, this is a Chicago guy in a Chicago stadium. Why are we booing him? I don't get it. So I just don't understand. I thought that was the most ridiculous thing in the world when I heard about it. And then I follow the Bears on Snapchat and they did some very skillful editing to block out the booing that Mike Glennon had to suffer uh, when he went out there to throw the first pitch. So it was, uh, it's kind of sad, really. And Kyle Long got into, like, this Twitter battle with fans about it because he he went on Twitter and it's like, 
congratulations on booing your new quarterback. And people were, were talking back. And Kyle Long's not afraid to get into it with anybody uh, on Twitter. If you say something that piques his interest, rest assured he's going to answer you. And, um, you know, it was just interesting watching that go down uh, in the later half of the afternoon. Um, because of the booing of Mike Glennon and I like I don't understand why it happened at all and uh you know and of course the the offensive lineman is going to come to the aid of his quarterback and the fans that are that are bound that are biting back at long for defending him I just like I don't like I don't get bear fans these days or the ones that do that anyway and then finally the uh the the documentary series We the Fans was released on ESPN this week and so far I'm not really a fan of it um these seem like the kind of fans that I would not want to be around um because and this could be editing I'll I'll, I'll leave that out there uh, it could just be the way that it was edited but these are the kind of fans that are die hard for no reason other than to be die hard um it just seems like their fandom isn't based in reality like they, you know, are sitting there yelling at the screen and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Now, granted, I get pissed off when the Bears make mistakes, when Cutler or Hoyer or, well, actually Hoyer didn't throw any picks, or when Barkley, especially at the end, uh, throwing interceptions and making stupid mistakes, the defense not making tackles or giving up big plays uh, in the passing game, so on and so forth. Um and everything, and I am voicing my opinion, yelling at no one, people who can't hear me, and all that kind of stuff. But it's it just there's just something different. You got to watch the series to see what I'm talking about. It just seems like these people have an unrealistic expectation of what the Bears are going to do uh, on Sunday. You know, and you guys heard me on the show a million times saying, you know, in in those preview episodes, can the Bears win this game? Absolutely. It's the NFL. It's any given Sunday. The Bears can do it. They're professionals. They know how to get it done. But uh, will they do it? Eh, probably not. Uh, you know, we're going to Lambeau. It's uh, probably not going to turn out too well uh, for us. You know, the Packers are hot, blah, 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 blah. This is probably why they won't pull it out. Can they? Absolutely. But they're not a very good football. That's the other thing. The Bears were not good. They were terrible last season. And they only got through, I think, the first four games in the first two episodes uh, that aired uh, this past week. And, um, you know, of course, we're ending it where with the Bears beating the Lions in game four. And one of the fans talking about the, you know, back on the road to dominance. Uh, you didn't watch that game then, did you? Because there was a lot that went wrong. The Bears just happened to make fewer mistakes than the Lions did uh, in that one. They won the game, absolutely. They beat the Lions for sure. They were dominant, unlike any any of the first three games where they lost to, to Tennessee and then got murdered by the Eagles and the Cowboys before finally beating the, the Lions uh, last year. But nothing that they did against the Lions said to me that things were back on track. And this one guy, a season ticket holder, was like, yeah, here we go on the road back to glory like no it's no dude no it, it's not so i don't know how much more i'm going to and how much i'm going to enjoy this particular series going forward but i will definitely watch because it's it's about a certain section of season ticket holders at soldier field section 250 in particular so um we'll see how it all uh, unfolds so anyway 
that is going to do it for our news and notes section. We're going to go ahead and dive right into our talk with uh, with Scott Wright from DraftCountdown.com, talk about his mock draft, his thoughts on the Bears, and the draft in general. And um, we also throw in a little bit of fun at the beginning because we both just recently saw one of the biggest new movies that just came out. And as always, when it comes time for draft season, it's like Christmas in April for my good friend Scott Wright from DraftCountdown.com. Scott, welcome back to the Chicago Bears Review, and I know it's the happiest time of year for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're closing in on draft day, and we build all year towards this, and, and it seems like it's over in the blink of an eye then. But uh, yeah, absolutely. This is the best time of the year, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. and for me, it's it's that bittersweet time of year because I am always I've always been a big draft Nick myself. Always, always been huge and, and watching the draft. Always kind of turn it into that event. But it's it's bittersweet because once the draft is over, then basically nothing happens until at least June, July. I mean, we talk June cuts, or I mean, the, of course, there's OTAs and stuff, but that's really nothing as far as fans are concerned. It's like we're pretty much going to enter that dead period. From the end of April when the draft is over until training camp starts at the end of July at the beginning of August. Well, that's when the, the people in my line of work start going to work on next year's prospects already. In fact, NFL scouts in the league right now, they are on the road collecting information on 2018 prospects. Mo, the hay is pretty much in the barn on 2017 from the scouting perspective. So, uh, so yeah, it's, that's what I love about the draft too because right, usually about this time of the year – is about the time that I start getting sick of talking about this draft class. And, and it's just, I mean, it's natural. I've been talking about them for 12 months and, and I love hitting that reset button after the draft and, and kind of shifting focus to an entirely new group of, of players, scenarios, situations. So, uh, so uh, even though it's disappointing that the day after that draft, it's like, Oh my goodness, 12 months and all of a sudden it's over. Now what? Just start looking at next year because uh, it starts all over again. And, and the NFL's already got a head start on me. Yeah, like with all of the the spring games and all that kind of stuff, the scouts are probably all over those, right? Yeah, absolutely. They're collecting information, heights, weights. Uh, some of the guys are running forty yard dashes, so we're getting some early confirmed measurables on on upcoming senior prospects. So uh, it, it truly is a year round thing. And uh, and for all the focus that's going to be on twenty seventeen uh, in the NFL, the scouts are all, uh, pretty much full on twenty eighteen now already. So before we go ahead and dive into this this uh, you know this talk of of the 2017 draft, uh, when you and I were setting this up, we we both agreed that there was one thing that we wanted to talk about that had nothing to do uh, with football, and uh, that was we, we were going to 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 be our own Siskel and Ebert, if you will, and, and talk about fast or the, excuse me. The fate of the furious, or as everyone calls it, Fast Eight or Furious Eight, or you know, however you choose uh, to do that. I went and saw it at the quote-unquote advanced screening that now every single movie on the planet has. Um, it's not just you know those special blockbusters that get that early showing. Now everyone, every movie comes out on Thursday night now. But uh, and and, I, and you saw it yesterday uh, afternoon, so you're the guest. You go ahead and tell me what did you think of the fate of the furious. 
Well, I mean, just in really general terms, I really liked it. I mean, I'm not saying we're setting up Oscar bait here or anything like that, but it is what it is. If you like the other Fast and the Furious movies, you're going to like this one. It's uh, it's nonstop action, and I don't know. How, how spoilery are we going to get here? I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, let's 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 take it easy uh, on yeah. that. I mean, because the movie literally just came out. But um, for me, it, it's, it's more of, uh, you know, I always like these. Uh, like these movies, uh, I, I've, I've always I also like the turn the franchise made when they became more of uh, like heist movies and things like yeah. that than what they do. The, 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 the real problem that I have is that the franchise kind of dug itself into a hole with this with this whole um, over the top uh, stunts and action scenes thing. You know, uh, five was probably the last one that seemed somewhat grounded in reality as far as like what you're actually seeing could (laughs) actually happen in real life. Uh, Ever since they did the hangar thing with the plane in fast number six, uh, that is pretty much gone over the cliff as far as you are having to suspend disbelief in order to watch these movies. So So you're saying you couldn't drag a huge safe? behind a car through city streets in like a major city well you know like that's that's the part of that that suspends disbelief you know that, that yeah it, it wasn't so ridiculous that you didn't think it could ever happen you know you think well if they get a car that's powerful enough i guess they could drag those you know safes around and, and so on and so forth this on the other hand the, the you know fast eight fast seven fast six it's just you know i it, the last two, especially the, this past one uh, and, and Fast Seven, there there's so many moments in these action scenes where you're just like, ah, how? There's no way, and yet they walk away unscathed, or they have such precise professional movements that they did it just right, so as to avoid any kind of uh, disaster. And at least with with for me with the the first viewing, I have a hard time getting past that to completely enjoy the movie. What I guess I love about these movies is that I think they have a, a degree of self-awareness. They understand what they are and they kind of steer into it uh, to a certain degree. And and you know it's it's like you say there's you have to suspend dispo, suspend belief uh, on a number of occasions in this movie. Uh, one in particular stands out for me, but I don't want to spoil anything. But yeah, there's a couple of moments where you just kind of shake your head and laugh. But but that's part of the thing, right? I mean, when they have these little funny one-liners, they they kill someone and they have a little. Uh, quip afterwards uh, it's just little things like that and 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 i think the whole franchise uh, just really embraces it and uh and and i don't know if i like this one quite as much as maybe the last one or two but but i think it holds up pretty favorably i think it's uh it's a really good flick and and like i said it just comes down to if you enjoy the previous movies you're gonna like this one because it's it's more of the same there's no question they, they have found the secret formula and now they are just replicating that formula and, and i'm fine with that uh, if it works Keep, keep going with it and, and there's a couple little nitpicks with this and of course this is the first one without Paul Walker which is uh, really kind of a bummer I definitely found myself you know thinking about that a couple times during the movies like oh that was an element that they that that was a really good element of this uh, franchise and I don't really know that they did a good job of replacing it but uh, but th- it's just a fun movie it's a perfect popcorn summer movie well it's definitely one where you can definitely go into this thing, you shut your brain off, and you just yeah. enjoy uh, the movie, absolutely. But I think that what I would like to see going forward, whereas like you look at a movie like Star Wars, when they started this new bank of trilogies, they they got rid of a majority of all that green screen that Lucas plagued the 
the trilogy, the, the 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 original trilogy with. I guess the episodes one, two, and three, like basically, did not get outside of a green screen. Like you did not see a real place in the whole uh, trilogy. Whereas in in the new one, like uh, with with seven and even even Rogue One, these are actually physical places that you could probably visit if you really wanted to, and they kind of brought it back to life again. I think that that with the stunts and everything, they maybe need to bring it a little bit more down to reality, um, so that I don't have to sit there and wonder how it how are they supposed to get me to believe that he could drive a car off a cliff, <laughs> nose down, and all of a sudden it comes out in pristine, you know, things like that. I just you know, it's kind of it reminds me very much of Austin Powers, the very first Austin Powers. I went and saw that movie when it came out, and I hated it, absolutely loathed that movie the first time that I saw it. But I went back a couple months later at like a dollar show with a couple of buddies of mine. Knowing what I was getting myself into, I never laughed harder in all my life. Even though I knew everything that was coming, it was, you know, I enjoyed it the second time around when I knew what I was getting myself into, so... Where would you rank that? It's like, do you have a do you have a rating system for your movies? Yeah, I don't have uh, like I've never done sat down and done a ranking of the Fast and Furious movies. I've seen them all, but I would put it in the top half for sure. Um, uh, I guess, I, I, like I said, I don't think it's quite as good as maybe the last couple, but I think after the, the last two were my two favorites of the franchise, probably. So uh, after the, the after uh, seven and six, I think I'd put probably in the conversation with that next tier for me. How about you? Well, I I think that that five is still the best one, um, and I, I think they would probably be like I think I I agree with you. It's probably in the top half. Yeah. You know. Uh, you know. Maybe maybe three or four in that in that. Uh, in that area, because I, I did, despite how I my attitude towards it, I did like it. I did like the movie. I did have fun with it. It's just that when you sit back and and you look at some of these movies, and you know, it's like if I had a problem with it, this would be it. And um, you know, so that's kind of where I'm coming from. Despite what I've been saying, I did enjoy the movie. I didn't feel like it was a waste of money or anything like that. So go see it. it it's fun. You'll have fun uh, at the movies checking out Fast Eight. So. All right, so now that we got that fun out of the way, let's talk about why we're actually here, Scott. Uh, the 2017 NFL Draft, less than two weeks away. I tried to get you on a little bit later in the draft season because last year I had you on basically right at the beginning of April, and no sooner do we stop do, does our show air than all <laughs> of a sudden both Cleveland and Tennessee trade their top picks and the whole complexion of the draft completely changes. After that, it goes from Laramie Tunzel possibly being the number one pick to all of a sudden there are quarterbacks going off at the top of the the draft and then everything changed from there. And, I, you know, it, it's like I, I'm getting you on a little bit later. And then two days before I have you on the show, John Lynch says the number two pick is up for sale uh, <laughs> in San Francisco. So no sooner than we get to air this thing, the 49ers are going to trade that pick and it's going to be all irrelevant what we're talking about. So anyway, let's dive into it. We got the 2017 draft. Cleveland's got the number one pick right now. And that is the only thing that I see that all the experts can agree on is that Miles Garrett is going to go number one. 
Yeah, and, and, and I think that's a testament to what a special player Miles Garrett is because, it, let's face it, it's not necessarily the, the most glaring need for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and every team could use a player like Miles Garrett and, and needs pass rushers, but, uh, but, but definitely if there was a quarterback worthy of being in the discussion, I think that's the way the Browns would lead. There just isn't this year, and that makes Garrett the, the no-brainer choice. That's a, a, a elite generational talent at a premium position uh and but that's really the only sure thing with this draft now less than two weeks out i think the entry starts right away then they're uh, at the number two overall pick with the 49ers and i like a lot of people see solomon thomas from stanford as a logical fit uh i think he he, he addresses a need and also can help instill some of the intangibles and and um and, and personality that John Lynch wants to build in that organization. So I think that would make a lot of sense. But honestly, this is the type of draft where I I, th- I think you could end up getting as good of a player at, at 12 as you do at 4 or 5. Um, I, I don't know that there's going to be a whole lot of consensus after Miles Garrett. And, and a couple things I'm going to watch out for, too, is – we have a couple players. I only gave my elite grade to three players in this draft this year. Garrett's one of them. He's going number one. Number two is Leonard Fournette, the running back from LSU. And number three is OJ Howard, the tight end from Alabama. And Fournette and Howard, I think those two guys could shake up the top of this draft, whether it be the top five, but certainly the top 10 in that I wouldn't be shocked to see them go to a team that doesn't necessarily have a huge need at their position. I think they're just such such special prospects and talents that uh, a team that may not need a running back or tight end just says, Hey, we got to take this guy. He he's too good to pass up. So, so that's something I'm kind of watching out for, but, but the biggest thing to figuring out this draft is always is, is the quarterbacks. Uh, I always say this time of year, tell me where to put the quarterbacks and I can fill in the pieces around it. It's kind of like when you're putting together a puzzle, the quarterbacks are, are the border. You get that done. Everything else kind of falls into place, but uh, figuring out where those quarterbacks are going to go is always a $64,000 question. And, Right now, I'm leaning towards the quarterbacks group as a whole dropping further than most expect, and 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 I have a hard time finding room for more than one or two in the first round without trades. So, I mean, let's let's talk about that for a second because I I've been been looking at mock drafts since the football season ended, and when the when the when the mock drafts started back then, it was. You know, it was take your pick as to which quarterback was going to go first. Was it Kaiser, Trubisky, or Watson? Then it's as the we got into the off season, it slowly changed, and that's where you really started seeing the mock drafts going all over the place as far as where anybody was going. I mean, it was just all of a sudden. Like I've seen drafts where. where where the Bears are taking Watson at number three, uh, or Watson doesn't make it, you know, barely makes it in out of the first round, or doesn't, or gets picked at twenty seven by the Chiefs, or you know, Pat Mahomes is number thirty two to the Saints, or he's an early to mid second round pick. I mean, it's all over the place with these quarterbacks, and I think it's because the quarterbacks is that why you can't see any really experts agree. Like you're not seeing the same cookie cutter mock drafts that you are that you're used to in some seasons where pretty much everyone can agree that in in just about every spot like this team is going to go this way this team is going to go this way maybe it's a different player but the position is the same that kind of thing and I think it's because of the quarterbacks and where people have them rated that's the reason that you're seeing these mock drafts all over the place 
Well, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think if you take if you were to take the guys who are the quarterbacks who are probably going to be in the 2018 draft and, and import them into this class, well, the Cleveland Browns, number one, well, that's easy. They're probably taking Sam Darnold, the quarterback from USC. Number two, the 49ers, oh, they need a quarterback. They're probably taking Josh Rosen, the quarterback from UCLA. Chicago Bears at three, oh, do they take Miles Garrett or do they go with Josh Allen, the quarterback from Wyoming? There's, there's going to be top, legitimate top 10 quarterbacks next year. There aren't legitimate top 10 quarterbacks next year, and if one goes in the top 10, it's going to be a reach. So let's talk about one one player in particular that I was in love with when the season ended, but is, you know, it, I'm I'm not really I don't know if he's still a first round guy, but when I when I saw Jabril Peppers from from Michigan, I I saw like an, a very early mock draft the Bears taking him at number 3, and now I don't know if he's still as far as rating is 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 concerned still a first round first round pick but what would cause a guy that was that highly held up you know a guy that got Heisman votes and all that kind of stuff for him to start the the offseason at the top of the draft board and for him to slide so slide so much that he may not make it out he may he may make it out of the first round and and I think Peppers is still going to be a top 10 pick but he or excuse me a first round pick but he does have a wide range I think there are scenarios where he could go in the top 10 overall and there's scenarios where he slides to the latter part of the first round and and if he does slide, I think the major factor is going to be the position concerns because he played outside linebacker this past year, uh, even though he's dramatically undersized for that position. But I think that's a little unfair to a degree, um, and and I think it's short-sighted, unimaginative, however you want to label it. Because if you go back a little further, there's film of him playing safety, and, and he's perfectly capable of getting the job done uh, back there in the secondary as a safety. Uh, not the tallest guy around, doesn't have the ideal length, but he's almost 5'11", 213 pounds. He ran a legit 4'4 at the scouting combine. Uh, just a dynamic athlete who can also contribute uh, on offense uh, in the return games. And the X factor with Jabril Peppers are the intangibles. This guy has the it factor. He is a leader of men. Uh, other players gravitate towards him. So um, I I tend to think he's going to go earlier rather than later when all is said and done. Just because I think once the football player, the football people get more and more involved in this process, the coaches and they're going to realize what he brings to the table and what a, a valuable chess piece he is in this day and age where offenses are basically trying to create mismatches to have such an athlete that can play multiple positions, play in the box or cover ground in the secondary. Uh, uh, so I, I have peppers going number 13 to the Arizona Cardinals in my most recent mock draft is kind of a replacement for uh, Tony Jefferson. But uh, I think in the end he goes somewhere best case scenario, maybe eight to the Carolina Panthers. Worst case, I think he goes somewhere in the back end of the teens, uh, maybe to, the, uh, to Washington at 17, uh, Tampa at 19, somewhere in that range. But uh, he's just too good of a player, football player, I think, to follow the top 20. Now, how did um, – did free agency alter your board at all? Did you have it going one way before the free agency period started and then, you know, so on and so – you know, so, so-and-so went ahead and signed this guy, that guy – and that guy, and that takes care of you know something they needed in the draft. So instead, I'm going to go ahead and give them this guy now in the first round. Yeah, no question. And when free agency was at its peak, uh, it, it was the team needs were changing on almost an hourly basis. It seemed, and uh, and, and and no question, it, it played a huge role. Uh, and and the thing too is. 
at, at the top of this draft, look at the Chicago Bears, for example. Uh, they went out and signed Mike Glennon, uh, and I think we can, we're probably still going to debate whether they're still in the mix for a quarterback, but I think the consensus is they certainly aren't at number three overall anymore, and, and maybe they wouldn't have been anyways. But, but what free agency did is instead of having maybe five or six possibilities for every team, it whittled it down to maybe now there's two or three. So it's kind of a process of elimination to a degree, and we started this offseason with six needs. We addressed three of them. Now we have these three left, and, and based on the, the value on the board and our needs, this is the most logical pick. So uh, no question, uh, the free agency absolutely really helped to narrow down uh, the list of options for teams, especially at the top of the draft. But but there, like I say, there's still a lot of uncertainty. It, it, there's very few teams that you can really signal in on one player and say, yeah, that that's their guy. I'm pretty confident he's going to end up there. Right. Well, as as we as we transition in, into the Bears, I, I would um, I have always kind of been in the thought process that number one, I've, I I never liked the quarterbacks in this this particular class. I'm not really a fan of any of them. And uh, I didn't really like the idea, especially at three of the Bears taking a quarterback at, at that spot. You know, whether it was, you know, Watson or Kaiser or Trubisky or whatever. Every mock draft that had the Bears taking a quarterback, I immediately rolled my eyes at it. I just didn't see it happening. And this was even before the Bears signed uh, Mike Glennon. Just because I think that right now, at least in 2017, the Bears should focus more on building the team around the quarterback instead of getting a quarterback and then trying to build a team uh, around him. So I, I just didn't feel comfortable with the Bears, especially that high. And I'm even a kind of hesitant at the top of the second round uh, thinking about a quarterback uh, there. So is there anyone, say, in the third round and, and below that the Bears could probably take a look at as far as quarterback is concerned? Because I do think that they have to take one in this draft. Well, and this is an interesting quarterback class. It's not like a couple of years ago where it was Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, and they went with the top two picks, and then after that it just dropped off a cliff. This year there's legitimately five, six, seven of these quarterbacks that that have the ability to start at the next level to to one level or another. The problem is they all have potentially fatal flaws as well. And I only gave a first-round grade to one of them, and that was Deshaun Kaiser from Notre Dame, and, and that was more of a late first-round grade. I kind of compare him to Paxton Lynch from a year ago where I think he has all the pieces to be a top-10 overall pick. He's just probably a year away from maximizing that. But if I were the Chicago Bears, and he's a guy that I think they've shown a lot of interest in, not only during the pre-draft process but even going back during the season, I think he would make a lot of sense for them if he's there in the second round. And I think he will be. I think he is going to slide of these top quarterbacks. I think he might be the most uh, likely to to slide a little bit further than expected. But um, if I'm the Bears, I certainly don't go in this draft, you know, clapping my hands and saying, okay, I'm good at quarterback. We're, we're set. Uh, I, you keep swinging until you, until, until you make sure you hit. And, and there's worse problems in the world than having two good quarterbacks. So if I were the Chicago Bears, I would be looking hard at a quarterback at number 36 overall still. Will they? I don't know. There's a lot of chatter out there that they will. Uh, that might be smoke screens, uh, a lot of gamesmanship going on this time of the year. But I do expect them to draft a young quarterback at some point. And 
I think it's probably going to be round three, round four, round five. And uh, another guy I heard them linked to a lot uh, during the season was Brad Kaya from Miami, who at one time was being talked about as maybe a first-round pick. Uh, was a little overrated. Uh, I think once you really got in there and examined the film, it came pretty clear that there were some flaws there. But he could be an interesting developmental option in those middle rounds. Nathan Peterman from Pittsburgh. Joshua Dobbs from Tennessee. So I think those are probably the types of names the, the Bears are going to be looking at. But but I wouldn't completely rule out Kaiser at the top of the second round either. The problem, too, is this: the, the, do the decision makers have the job security and patience to go with a young – to use one of their, pre, their precious few premium assets left in this offseason – to invest them in a young developmental signal caller who might not play at all this year. And by the time they do play, those people might be out of their jobs. That That's the $64,000 question. And and that, that's kind of that thin ice where teams get on where you want to make sure your decision makers are making the best decisions in the long-term interests of the organization and not the best making those decisions that, that help them save their jobs. Well, I feel like the, our general manager, uh, Ryan Pace, is definitely playing – uh, the long game, and, and I think that that became more apparent this offseason, whereas, whereas last year I thought he looked like a genius, signing guys like Trevathan and Freeman and especially Akeem Hicks. He signed them at bargain basement prices. You know, he got these quality players for not as much as you'd think that they could get uh, on the open market, and then he went ahead and did it again this year and actually priced himself out of the market for guys like Stephon Gilmore, A.J. Bouye, uh, Tony Jefferson, and so on and so forth. So he didn't get the secondary hope. The Bears fans, in particular myself, were hoping that they would go out and and get, but instead he goes out and gets a Prince of Mukamura, he gets a Marcus Cooper, uh, a Quentin Demps for those lower to mid-level uh, prices. So it would look like the Bears are playing the long game as far as not spending all their money in free agency and focusing more uh, on the draft, which, which brings me to this. I was looking at your latest mock draft. At three, you have the Bears taking Jonathan Allen, the defensive lineman from Alabama. Now, had we signed a Stephon Gilmore and a Tony Jefferson, I would be all over that because, yes, let's bolster that front end because the back end is in much better shape than it was at the end of 2016. But being what it is and getting the guys that we got, I'm still not in love with them. I still think we need the safety Jamal Adams is my guy. That's who I want to see the Bears take at number three. Yeah, and and the Bears, I think, are very much, it's an A or B situation. It's Allen or Adams. I think those are the two guys they're going to be zeroing in on. And the argument, I guess, I would make for the defensive lineman over the secondary and why I went with Allen over Adams in my mock draft is this regime has a bunch of young defensive backs on the roster on the roster that they've brought into the fold. Uh, DeAndre Hall, they've they've given a lot of playing time to Jacoby Glenn, Deion Bush, DeAndre Houston Carson, uh, Adrian Amos, uh, and none of these were major investments. Uh, they were all like mid round picks, and uh, Glenn was a free agent. But but I'm not so sure that they're that they don't want to give those guys one more opportunity. Whereas you go up front and it's, it's, it's pretty rough up there. Uh, Allen would step in and immediately be uh, the, be the most dynamic presence along that defensive line by a huge uh, margin. So, so that's kind of why I went Allen, but I, I think it's very much a, uh, a binary choice for them. But although I will, 
I want to get your opinion on this because I was thinking about this and, and, and tell me if I'm crazy or if there's a, a, an inkling of a possibility to this. But how about Leonard Fournette? Because I just think when John Fox was in Carolina, they used first round picks on re- real close together on D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart. We know he likes to run the ball and and for t- for decision makers that maybe want to improve their job security a little bit what better way than to bring in a guy like Fournette who's going to be exciting he's going to score a lot of touchdowns we saw what Ezekiel Elliott did last year for the Dallas Cowboys and he wouldn't be running behind that Cowboys offensive line but I think Fournette's a better prospect coming out am I crazy to think that that Fournette could be a long shot wild card there you know, I think that that pick would be a lot of fun. I, I really do. I like the idea of Leonard Fournette, but I don't like the idea of Leonard Fournette over Jonathan Allen or <laughs> Jamal Adams. I mean, it's, I think it's, that's definitely a lot of fun to think about a backfield that's got Fournette and Jordan Howard in it. Yeah. I mean, it just it just seems like with that combo right there, the defense isn't going to get any kind of rest when it comes to to running the football because you either got one guy that will run you over and the other one that I mean, the, both of them can do it. Jordan Howard is a beast, and uh, he turned out to be one hell of a pick in the fifth round for the Bears uh, last year. And you were even saying so when we when we did the review episode last year. You really liked the Bears taking Jordan uh, Jordan Howard, and he turned out to be you know the the pick of the draft class uh, last year, even more so than Leonard Floyd, who I didn't want in the beginning, but. Um, you know, uh, f- I, like I said, I, I like the idea. I like the idea a lot, um, and I think that's definitely a message that that the that Fox and, and Pace would be sending to us that we plan on being here going forward when they make a wild card pick like that at number three. And, and I think that I think it would probably help there because I mean, let's face it, I think Fournette would probably have more of an immediate impact, at least for certainly noticeably uh, more impact than either Allen or Adams would be. They're both excellent football players, and people like us who really follow it closely, uh, they love those guys. But Fournette, I mean, that's the type of guy that you put on the billboards, you sell the jerseys, and um, and that would at least give the Bears one aspect on offense that they could really hang their hat on. Uh, with that one-two punch, it would take pressure off of Glennon and, and the relatively unproven and um, uh, wide-out core that's kind of a doesn't have any chemistry yet. So, uh, and I don't think it will happen. But if there was going to be something other than Allen or Adams there, that that's kind of the intriguing uh, option for me. Yeah, no, like I said, I, 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 that's the first time I've really had a chance to sit down and think about the Bears uh, taking. Uh, for net but um, you know it's I, I think that taking him at the expense of passing on an Allen or an Adams I think would be a mistake so um, I like I said it's, it's fun to play with that idea and the possibilities of it and it's definitely an impact choice I mean and that's the other thing I think that more than anything is what Pace is looking for going into this draft is impact players. He even said so in the whole exit press conference at the end of the season was that we need impact players. But he said specifically on defense, which is why I would think Jamal Adams over Jonathan Allen in that spot. And Jamal Adams in a very talented guy, but I don't know. There's very few defensive prospects and safeties. I remember getting such high, high grades for his intangibles. People just rave about what a, a smart football player he is, how he's a leader. He's an extension of the coaching staff on the field. And, uh, you know, that's something I think, you know, it's hard for, for us to quantify that watch him and, and look at box scores and see stats and watch him on Saturdays. But I know the NFL scouts absolutely love that aspect of his game, maybe even as much, if not more, than his 
physical talents, which are, are also considerable. So you can make a really good argument for Adams. I just think they need, they have some talent and some options in the secondary. The cupboard is relatively bare up front. And, and maybe you're higher on, on, on one or two of those guys than I am. But I just don't see anything even closely resembling a difference maker in on the defensive line. And I just don't know how you can expect to be successful without that type of presence and and Allen can be exactly that and regardless what type of scheme you run what whether you want him play uh dn d tackle four three three four he can do all of that uh and so um i I just think he he he'd give them a, a bigger upgrade on the defensive line than maybe adams might on the back end do you as far as overall prospects is Allen ahead of adams on your board just barely. I, I and I'm working on my final rankings now, and it's going to be. I think it's going to be Allen four, Adams five, something of that nature. It's going to be really close. Uh, um, and, and I think they're both going to be top five overall picks. I don't think either of them escape the top five. If Allen doesn't go three to the Bears, I think he goes four to the Jaguars, uh, quite possibly. And and if Adams doesn't go there, I think he ends up uh, worst case maybe to the Titans at five or Jets at six, Chargers at seven. So um, both of those guys have it's probably they can breathe easily on draft day. They're not going to have to worry about sliding. They have plenty of potential landing spots in that three to seven, two, actually two to seven range, really. Right. And you know, that's, that's the other thing that, that makes me wonder is like Ryan Pace is a staunch best player available guy. So if, if uh, you know, depending on who he's got ranked on his board higher is how the bears uh, are going to go. He, he is very st- very um you know staunch in, in the idea that you don't draft for need you draft the best player available and when you're sitting at number three you know only one or two guys you know are going to come off the board that you have ranked ahead of you know where, where you're where you're at and um you know if they take Allen over adams then that would be the answer to the question which one do the bears rank higher uh, on this board or if they throw us the curveball hey the Chicago Bears select running back from LSU, Leonard Fournette. That's the answer to that question as well, is they had Fournette ranked higher than everybody else, and so they took the best player off the board. Well, and another thing to keep in mind is that the secondary, cornerback, and safety are among the strongest positions in this draft and the deepest. Right. And you're going to be able to get a starting caliber defensive back in the second, third, fourth, I think even well into the fifth round. So. Um, I, I think you have to take that into account as well. And where the Bears are picking, if they don't go Allen at, at number two, or excuse me, at number three, I don't know that they're going to get an impact defensive lineman in this draft, especially on the interior. Uh, Malik McDowell from Michigan State has top ten overall talent and potential, but um, I, I and he could be there for the Bears. But as much of a boomer bust prospect as there is in this draft, uh, I really like Chris Wormley from Michigan. I compare him to Chiefs uh, top pick Chris Jones from a year ago, but. I don't know that he provides that type of impact potential. So I, I think it would be a mistake just to say to look at their decision in a vacuum either and for them to look at their decision in a vacuum. I think they have to kind of keep a, a broader eye on the entire landscape so that and realize, hey, if, if we don't get Allen here, we're not getting a great defensive line. If we don't get if we don't get Adams, we're going to have options in the next round, the one after that, the one after that. So I think that could maybe ultimately be the deciding factor because I'm sure they're both closely graded. I can't imagine there's a huge discrepancy between their grades within the Bears' war room, and you can make an argument for addressing either need. So when you look at it from the perspective of what combination is going to give us the best uh, chance to address our needs, I absolutely think it's starting out with Allen. 
And and I think that you're right as far as the, you know the not only is is the cupboard a lot more bare up front as far as options for the for the defensive line uh, for the Bears, but it also may be the case in the draft. So you don't want to pass on a guy like Allen. Um, you know, and I think that what's interesting is the whole Jonathan Lynch or John Lynch saying that uh, the number two spot is open for business because I think it could also leave open the possibility the Bears might get a shot at Solomon um, Thomas. Thomas, yep, Thomas. You know, do you think would you rank Thomas ahead of Allen if he's there for the Bears? I really like John or Solomon Thomas. Uh, he's right there with Jonathan Allen for me, and and a different type of player. I think that's a misconception that's out there about Solomon Thomas because even though he was used inside at defensive tackle at times, I think he's more of a defensive end outside linebacker physically, whereas Allen's a defensive end defensive tackle. So I think that's a pretty important distinction. I think uh, Thomas gives you much more from a pass rush perspective off the edge. I think he's an underrated athlete and another player just outstanding in intangibles, uh, just a motor that runs nonstop. And if you saw him in the bowl game against North Carolina, you'd think he's going to be the number one overall pick. He was just absolutely dominant. And um, and that's why I, I think he's a fit for the 49ers just because uh, for what he can bring on and off the field. But if he's there for the Bears, I think he should be in the conversation. He's going to be right Right there with Allen and Adams among my top half dozen uh, play, overall players in this entire draft. I'm a big fan of his. Any possibility scenario you could see Miles Garrett falling to number three? Well, I've been following the draft long enough to never say never. Uh, and I think just last year, Laramie Tunsil, uh, that situation, right. uh, if we had gotten a half an hour before the draft, we would have said there's no chance he falls out of the top 10. And 15 minutes before the draft, all of a sudden the landscape changed really quickly. So I definitely would never say never. But if if Garrett doesn't go one of the Browns, he goes two to the Niners. I think that's what ultimately happens. He's And, and I don't think that will happen. I think the Browns are taking Garrett and they're just – you know, throwing some bait in the water, throwing some chum in the water to see if they can attract any interest, get any bites, uh, especially after seeing the types of deals that uh, the, the last they got for those top picks last year from the Rams and the Eagles. So uh, I think that all things being equal, they'd love that. But but really, every team is open for business. Uh, I, I think John Lynch was just kind of stating the obvious to a, to a certain degree. I, I think the Bears are open for business at three if somebody wanted to trade. The Jaguars are open for business at four. Uh, because I think they realize, too, that even if we move down four, five, six spots, we're still going to get a really good player. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the other things. Who wants that, to move uh, up, though? Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. It's, it's finding the right partner because the price is going to be there if somebody wants to move up. I mean, I mean, I think it was what, 2013 was the Deion Sims taken by the, the, the Dolphins. How high they jumped up to get to number yeah, three to take him, Jordan. Sorry, Deion Jordan. They did draft Deion uh, Sims eventually too, a year later, I think. But <laughs> right, but he's now he's a bear now. Yes, Deion Sims, the tight end, he's a bear now. But that's where that came from. But Deion Jordan, uh, you know, they, they 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 traded up to get him at number three, and that turned out to be a fatal disaster uh, for them. But and the price tag varies too. I mean, last year yeah. it was a king's ransom because teams are trading up for a quarterback. But you mentioned that Deion Jordan trade. I believe that year they moved up about a dozen spots and all it cost them was a second round pick. And, and don't get me wrong. Second round pick is a really valuable asset. But but to move up a dozen spots into the top, I think he was number three overall. Um, th th that was relatively cheap. So so that's the other thing. These teams at the top of the draft, they're going to have to adjust their expectations a little bit based on what happened last year. Maybe the Browns could make a case that, okay, if we're going to trade this top pick, we want 
you know, you better bring it because this is an elite player. But but after Garrett's off the board, I think these teams are going to have a really hard time. Uh, uh, they're not going to have a whole lot of leverage, let's say. So you don't see anybody jumping up to, to, to two or three to get that first quarterback off the board? I don't. I don't think we're going to see a quarterback in the top ten, and and, and it's certainly possible. And uh, and and teams will do some crazy and desperate things when it comes to the quarterbacks. But uh, but for I think it comes down to Mitchell Trubisky from North Carolina, Deshaun Watson from Clemson. I think those are the two guys battling to be the first quarterback off the board. And I have Trubisky going to the Browns at number twelve overall uh, in my most recent mock draft. And and that's the spot. Any quarterback still on the board after number twelve, whether it's all of them, all but one, all but two, whatever the case might be. Anybody still on the board after number 12, they're going to be worried because then a, a slide all the first round is completely possible barring a trade up. Maybe the Houston Texans would take a quarterback at number 25, but I don't know if they are at a place where they want to start over with one of these young, inexperienced quarterbacks. I think they want more of a veteran presence because they feel like they're built to win right now and their window is open. Maybe the Kansas City Chiefs at number 27, but they're in a similar situation where they're kind of built to win now and they're big fans of Alex Smith. Uh, I've never quite seen their fascination with him, but I just don't know that they see finding his replacement as a first-round priority. So um, I have... if I were to bet on it right now, I would say I would lean more towards quarterback, quarterbacks as a whole falling further than we expect in this draft. Uh, but, you know, there's also scenarios where all of a sudden, okay, uh, the Niners take one at two, the, the Jets take one at six. and Because there's certainly no shortage of teams uh, at the top of the draft that need quarterbacks. It's just a matter of uh, the supplies not meeting the demand and, and Buffalo is another team they even though they kind of recommitted to, to Tyrod Taylor this offseason they've been making a big show of their going around to all the quarterback workouts bringing their ownership along so uh, you know that might be a wild card spot for a quarterback but uh, but yeah I mean I teams will talk themselves into players at quarterback and and ultimately that's why I never even when Blake Bortles went number three overall I had him ranked in my late 20s I didn't criticize them too much because at least they're trying. I'd rather see a team do that than go out and sign Brian Hoyer and, and give Brian Hoyer uh, another half a season of starts in the NFL. Uh, to me, that's just wasted opportunity. So even though I don't think there's a quarterback worth the number two overall pick for the 49ers, if they took one there, I wouldn't kill him. And, and, and regardless of who it was, at least they'd be trying because at the end of the day, Solomon Thomas could be the next Reggie White. He's not getting the 49ers where they need to go. They need a quarterback. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it is the draft and, and funny things happen uh, all the time. And, um, you know, so that that was one of the thing. If, if you could make an, an oddball prediction or, you know, like a curveball uh, prediction, you know, what team do you think is going to make that pick that's going to have everyone, you know, gasping or scratching their heads or anything like that this year? Who's your top candidate to make a what the hell were they thinking kind of pick this year? You know, I got a good answer for this, I think. I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans at number five. Keep an eye on John Ross, the wide receiver from Washington. Uh, I think most people, including myself, have him going more in the teens. I am going to the Titans at number 18. but And, and there are some concerns with him, most notably durability. He's got a small frame, and he's had a number of major injuries that, that would really scare me. But, boy, 4-2-2 two, two speed. I mean, just he's going to be the fastest player in the NFL 
Um, and, and with speed like that, that can make up for a lot of other uh, shortcomings. It's kind of like uh, if, if you have a good short game in golf, you can spray your drives all over all over the golf course and it's not going to matter. And um, th- that speed is just uh, an X factor that that really he can bring to the table that no other player in the league can uh, to a certain degree. So I wouldn't be surprised if John Ross wound up sneaking into the top five because I know the Titans really like him. They they were in on Brandon Cooks before he got traded to the Patriots. So he's the type of player they're looking to add to that offense. And and if they don't take him at five, I don't know if they get him at 18. And maybe they try to trade down a little bit if there's a suitor there. But uh, don't be surprised if uh, John Ross goes to the Titans uh, earlier than expected. Yeah, it's a good thing that uh, that Al Davis is, is no longer with us because he'd probably uh, you know burn up some real estate trying to move up to draft a guy like John Ross. Well, and, and 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 you know what, Al Davis towards the end there, he it's a shame his his kind of career ended the way it did because he he deserves all the respect in the world and he made some really bad decisions towards the end, but he's not the only one who falls in love with speed like that. Uh, that is a great equalizer. Uh, look at what Tyreek Hill did this past year for for the Kansas City Chiefs offense, right. and, um, and I think that gives you a taste of the type of impact that Ross can make. And and you add John Ross to that. Uh, to that offense with Marcus Mariota, you got that running game with two-headed monster with DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry, who I think is going to be a beast when he gets a chance. They've got a really good offensive line. Uh, you add a, a, a wide receiver, a playmaker uh, that with 4-2 speed like John Ross to that mix, and boy, even if it is a reach at number five, you're not going to find another guy like that. I mean, he's kind of a one-off. He's a unicorn. Nice. A unicorn. So if 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 we bring it back to the Bears, would would Fournette be that out of left field pick you think the Bears would make, even if they had Allen or Adams or somebody like that sitting there and, and they, they go with Fournette uh, instead? Would that be the curveball pick you would go with for them? Yeah, I would say either that or maybe one of the other defensive backs, whether it be Marshawn Lattimore or Malik Hooker. Uh, maybe they, they like one of those guys. But I, I think I really think uh, it is an Allen Adams decision for them. But, but Fournette would be the wild card. And um, and like I say, I, I, I philosophically, I would never take a running back in the first round if I ran a team. Uh, but if I was ever going to do it for net would probably be the guy. He's the one who would tempt me because he is just such a, a freak of nature. And, uh, and he's my number two overall player in this draft. Uh, he got my elite grade, which I'm really stingy with. And, uh, I, I just really can't say enough about him. I think he's going to be an even better pro than he was a college player. What about Christian McCaffrey? He's a guy that I've seen all over the board. I've seen him as as high as eight to the to the to the Panthers, and I've also seen drafts where he's in the middle of the second round. So, where do you see him going? Where does he rank on on your board? I, I don't think he escapes the top twenty. And like you said, there's scenarios where he could go as number high as number eight overall to the Carolina Panthers, and and I don't think he makes it past that back end of the teens where you have Washington at seventeen, Tampa at nineteen, Denver at twenty. Uh, so I think that's kind of his range, and, and he's very highly thought of around the league, uh, not only for his his football talent, but also his intangibles, his character um, from a really athletic family. And, and I think there's a degree, a high degree of cost certainty with Christian McCaffrey. Teams know what they're getting. I would just question, do you really want to use a first-round pick, a, specifically a high first-round pick, on that type of player? And by that I mean – the guy he's being compared to and the guy I compared him to throughout the, the season was Reggie Bush. I think there's a lot of similarities. And, and, but, it, but I always worry when, when teams take these players that, oh, we have to create touches for them. We have to get creative and use these all these different ways. 
because they rarely do. They don't get creative. They don't use them in unusual ways. And a lot of times their talents end up getting wasted. Even Reggie Bush, he had some flashes, but never really quite maximized what he could have been in the league. So that would scare me. I I wouldn't take Christian McCaffrey in the top 20. I think, honestly, for that type of player, that's the player I want to draft in the fourth or fifth round, <laughs> you know, for in terms of value. And and there's some options. If I'm looking for that type of player, maybe there's a Jeremy McNichols in the, the middle or the late rounds. TJ Logan from North Carolina, I'm really high on. Elijah McGuire from Louisiana Lafayette. And, and are they as good as Christian McCaffrey? No, but can they be 75% as good at one-tenth of the cost? I think so. So who's your biggest boomer bust uh, prospect this year? Is it a guy like John Ross because he's not as big as you would like your wide receivers to be? Or is it another, uh, you know, is it a guy like a Malik Hooker or something like that that's projected to go in the top 10, but a lot of people have concerns about him? Yeah, Ross would definitely be right up there near the top of the list um, and because it's not only does he have that small frame, but he has a history of major injuries, uh, both knees, I believe. He's got a labrum injury. He's had surgically repaired this offseason, so it, we've seen him get hurt. It's not the worry, oh, he might get hurt. He's been getting hurt, so so that's what scares me, but certainly these quarterbacks are all very much boomer bust. Uh, Patrick Mahomes from Texas Tech might be the, the most extreme example uh, of that, uh, but one guy I'll say is Tim Williams, the uh, defensive outside linebacker from Alabama who it sounds like he's going to fall on draft day due to some character concerns but I think he's one of the 10 best pure players in this draft I think he's a slightly better all-around prospect coming out of college than Vic Beasley was who was a top 10 overall pick and just had 15 sacks or whatever it was in his second season in the league so keep an eye on Tim Williams because if he's still there late in round one early round two somebody's gonna get a steal in him because uh, he has truly rare get off and burst off the edge and uh, he can impact a game like Vic Beasley, like Von Miller, that type of guy. And then finally, just to bring it back to the Bears again, if we pass on Adams in the first round, who is it that we should be looking at in round two, round three? Because I see that in your mock draft you have Justin Evans from Texas A&M being that safety at the top of the second round. Is, is that the kind of guy the Bears should be looking at in the top of the second round if we take Allen in the first? Well, and, and as, as I was trying to think of how to answer that question, uh, almost too many names came to mind to list them all for you because th- there's so many options, whether it be a second round, third round, and I can even give you some really nice fourth round names. But round two, I think names to keep an eye on, Obi Melfanu from Connecticut, uh, who worked out like a madman. I don't think he's going to get all the first round. Uh, but he could. Buda Baker from Washington, who's a little undersized. You've heard comparisons to Tyron Matthew. He's that uh, a safety, free safety slash nickel corner uh, and, and plays bigger, and he's a playmaker in the secondary. Justin Evans from Texas A&M, uh, who I think the league is a little higher on than most realize, and I think he's going to go somewhere – in the top 40 overall. Uh, and then also Marcus Williams from Utah, if you're looking for that rangy free safety and playmaker. And then even in the third round, Desmond King from Iowa, who's a terrific college player, some concerns about his speed, and he's probably going to have to move to safety, but I think he's going to be there in the third round. Eddie Jackson from Alabama uh, reminds me a little bit of Malcolm Jenkins. He's a converted cornerback um, and, and brings a lot of those cornerback skills to the safety position. Josh Jones from North Carolina state uh has worked out really well and i think he's going to be a top 100 choice so uh there are no shortage of options uh and if i were going to give you a similar list at defensive tackle it would be real low and i would have serious question marks about every one of them i would uh, on, on more than half of the options whether it be uh caleb brantley from florida carlos watkins from clemson montrevious adams from auburn I, I have serious doubts about all of them 
and and I would be pretty leery. So if I were running the Bears, it would be real simple that that that's the factor that would edge the decision in the favor of Allen over Adams for me, just because I know I'm going to be able to, I'm going to have a plethora of options at safety. Whereas if I don't get Allen, I'm probably not going to get that difference maker I need on the D line. And you know what, what, what makes me concerned about passing over Adams and and it's in a meaningless game, but the bears play, you don't see him getting past Tennessee at five. If the bears pass on him at three, and I'm talking about Adams is the bears and the Titans play each other in the quote unquote dress rehearsal game, uh, this year. And I just got this feeling that if we pass on Adams and and granted, it's in a meaningless preseason game, but he's going to show the bears something in that game that makes us be like, we could have had that guy and we passed on him. I don't know why we did that. You know, just kind of have us, uh, regretting it, but or just uh, comes out and destroys Mike Glennon, picks him off three yeah, times or something. You know, just comes <laughs> in on a safety blitz and you know puts him in concussion protocol for the next three weeks and and all that kind of stuff. You, got you know, glasses half full, man. Like you you got to think on the positive side. <laughs> well, you know, like I said, I I think that the Bears can't do anything wrong at number three as far as taking Allen or Adams. It's just that with what we did in free agency, I would prefer Adams over Allen in just my own preference. But I have to agree with you. Once you go with, you know, Thomas or like Garrett Thomas and at and Allen, it's, it's a steep cliff that goes off the end after, you know, as far as defensive line depth uh, in the, uh, in the draft. So that might be where the bears heads are at. Like maybe they have Adams ranked higher, but we can get somebody closer to Adams than we can Allen as the draft goes along. Yeah, and, and that's the thing because you can make a really good argument for either Adams or Allen at number three, but uh, I, I think it would be a mistake to make that decision in a vacuum. You got to look at the whole landscape and and try to make the, the the best overall decision for your team, and especially since they can't go wrong with either one of them. It's not like oh well, if we don't take this guy, we're going to be reaching for someone who we have fifteen spots lower. It's like one A one B. It's like a potato potato. Um, so both legitimate top five prospects in this draft, and and I, like you said i don't think the bears can make a wrong decision but just for me it's knowing that i could get a, a db later is what would push me in alan's direction sure and then final question i have for you scott um what other summer movies are you looking forward to uh i guess the next one's gardens of the galaxy uh the next yeah. one and the first one coming out i didn't really know much about that or anything i just saw the previews and it was fun previews and i love movies that incorporate music well and i think guardians of the galaxy do that better than any certainly any movies from the comic genre but probably as well as any movies being made today uh so i, I think having that soundtrack of, of good music that everybody kind of knows really adds to that franchise so so that's the one i'm waiting for how about you uh, I'm I'm going with uh, I'm stick, sticking with Marvel, but I'm going with Spider Man. All right, yeah, actually, good choice because um, I didn't really like any of the Sony Spider Man movies. I didn't. I mean, they, they they did what they did, but I wasn't just like, dude, that was the most awesome movie. Or it's yeah. just like, you know, Marvel has pretty much hit one home run after another with these comic book movies. So I'm really interested to see what they do with when they've got full control of over, over a Spider-Man movie, especially with the way that he came off in, in Civil War last year. Yeah, so, they did a really good job with him in Civil yeah. War. The other one, too, is uh, when does Black Panther come out? Because I, I think that is going to be an awesome flick. Oh, I, I can't wait for Black Panther. That movie's going to rock. But it doesn't come out till I think, February of next year. Um, I think I like everybody involved with that, from the people directing it, the actors, just everything. That, that's going to be a home run, I think. Yeah, adding Spider-Man actually is what pushed Black Panther out of 2017. Mm. 
because Thor was supposed to be in July, but when when Spider-Man came in, that pushed Thor from July to November, and it pushed Black Panther from November to 2018. So These are good problems uh, to have. Yeah, <laughs> yes, indeed, because that Thor Ragnarok trailer that just came out uh, looks awesome, too. So uh, With the great yeah, music, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it's it's gonna be fun. Thor's my favorite of the of the Marvel movies. Uh, Captain America being a close second, very very close second. But um, yeah, so those those are the kinds of movies I'm looking forward to uh, myself. So, but Scott, uh, thanks so much uh, for for joining us to to preview uh, this draft. Um, we'll we'll have you back on uh, sometime after the draft once the smoke clears, and uh, we'll see did the Bears go Allen or or Adams, or did they throw us all a curveball and and take mitch trubisky at, at which you'll have to talk me off the ledge uh on that one because uh hey you know because you've you've always been one of those guys that stuck with the, the phrase you can never pay too much for a franchise quarterback i just don't believe that to be true uh in this draft and the only thing more valuable than a franchise quarterback is a franchise quarterback on a rookie deal that, that's the most valuable commodity in the nfl so uh and, and that's why you know jimmy garoppolo is a really good player but and if, if it were the, the same cost yeah, I'd probably trade the 12th overall pick if I were the Browns for Jimmy Garoppolo, but it's the 12th overall pick and a $75 million contract. Do I like Jimmy Garoppolo that much more than, say, Deshaun Kaiser, who I could get at the top of the second round? No, I'd rather have Deshaun Kaiser on a rookie deal than uh, than, than Garoppolo at, for the 12th pick and $75 million. But uh, but it, th- this is the game. This is the questions teams like the Bears have had to ask themselves this offseason, and, uh, and many of them are still trying to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, we'll have you back on when the smoke clears. Uh, see, uh, see how this thing did unfold. How close were the experts? I mean, like I said, it's going to be difficult to say how close the experts were to seeing this thing unfold because the experts are all over the place as far as uh, you know how they think it's all going to go down. But we'll see when it once it's in the books what it looks like, and uh, we'll get your analysis on it. Yeah, and, and I'm getting ready to start my final mock draft here in about a week, week and a half, and, and I'm not looking forward to it at this point because, like I say, I, I got Miles Garrett to the Cleveland Browns at number one, and after that, there's more, far, far, far more questions than answers. Yeah, throwing darts on a board after that, right? Educated guesses. Absolutely. So, Scott Wright, DraftCountdown.com. Check out the mock draft. When's it going to come out? Uh, the, the final mock draft, it'll be a three-rounder. It'll be out the morning of the draft on Thursday, so uh, be sure to watch for it. Right. And final rankings will be coming out soon uh, soon as well. All right, so take a, t- take a look at that. And, uh, Scott, we look forward to having you back on in a few weeks after the draft. Sounds good. Anytime. All right. And there you have it, folks, Uh, Scott Wright and myself previewing the 2017 NFL Draft. And like I said, we will have him back after uh, the draft, uh, possibly like right after that Sunday or Monday, maybe in uh, if we can talk him into it to to get the kind of an, an immediate analysis and break down the picks and how it all went down once everything is in the books when they close it down there uh, in Philadelphia this year. We'll have him back on to uh, to take a look and take stock. Was it Adams? Was it Allen? Was it Fournette? I mean, what a fun idea, Leonard Fournette. But uh, maybe if we were in a better space with uh, – with those positions on the defensive line or especially in the secondary uh, to pass on a kid like uh, Adams or, 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 you know, even a hooker or Marshawn Lattimore 
over a Fournette, I think. Uh, yeah, so that we'll have to do that. But uh, we'll we'll wait and see how it all goes down, and we'll have Scott right back on to talk about it. Uh, between now and then, we'll have the schedule release show at some point. I think they said around the 20th, which is next Thursday. So could be back next weekend to talk about the schedule release and then back the week after that with the NFL Draft uh, review uh, episode. So keep your eyes on Facebook page or keep your uh, keep an eye on, on, on Twitter to find out the updates on when these shows will be coming out. So um, until then, we'll be back. Uh, the schedule release looks like that will be up next. So probably this time next week, we'll be talking again when they map out what the road to the Super Bowl looks like for the Bears in 2017. And yes, I'm laughing uh, while I say that. So, uh, but uh, you know, we'll be back with the schedule release show. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review.